41, the moon is full. You make love very well. You touch me like I touch myself. I like you, mademoiselle. There's nothing I would rather do. They move around just like this. But do I have to dance all night? Do I have to dance all night? Who tell me bird of paradise? Do I have to dance all night? Hello, and welcome to Lenny and Coco, the Leonard Cohen podcast. I'm your host, Ned. And I'm your host, Kinley. We're delighted to be back with you as we discuss a very normal Leonard Cohen (laughs) album today. Very normal. Yeah, this is the one that everyone points to when they're asked, how should I start with Leonard Cohen? Really? No. Oh. No, this is 1977's Death of a Ladies' Man. Uh, a true whack job. A true outlier <laughs> yeah. in Leonard Cohen's career. I thought you were talking about Phil Spector for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. This uh, most notably was produced by literal madman and psychopath and convicted murderer Phil Spector. Uh, I think most Leonard Cohen fans hold this one at a bit of a distance. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a decent contingent, I think, of folks who defend it. Mm-hmm. It'll um, be an interesting one to talk about today. Yeah. 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 I myself never really liked it in the past. Uh-huh. I thought one or two tracks were kind of a fascinating failure, but that was about <laughs> the extent of it. Okay. But I tried this week to come in with a very open mind. Yeah. And see if I could learn to love this record. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, not to give it all away right now, but I, I slightly succeeded. I sort of okay. succeeded. Cool. So before we jump into the album, we'll just uh, bring ourselves up to date on Leonard Cohen. And we'll talk a bit about how this album came to be. Yeah, what the hell went on to, <laughs> to lead to this? So last time... We talked about New Skin for the Old Ceremony, uh-huh. produced by John Lissauer. Mm-hmm. He's looking pretty good right now, right about now, old John Lissauer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that went great. They had a good time together. They were psyched to work together again, even got as far as recording some songs for an album that was to be called Songs for Rebecca. Mm. This would be one of my first stops if I had that uh, Dimension traveling machine to go check out Dimensions where oh yeah certain art projects were realized. Right. Songs for Rebecca Universe. That's my kind of universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds like it would have been great. They were writing songs together and John Listauer said, I was trying to write for him in a style that was comfortable, not just write a pop song and have him sing it. But I also lifted the melodies and structures a little out of his comfort zone. I think he was tired of writing the same kinds of songs and wanted to break out of it. And he trusted me enough. So that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just like new skin maybe, but a little, a little jazzier, a little weirder. Cool. I'd have been down, but it was not to be. No. Um, There are some different stories on how Leonard Cohen and Phil Spector got together. They shared a manager, a man named 
Marty Machat, Machat, I don't know. Okay. And he'd taken his cut of a very large advance that Warner Brothers had given to Phil Spector and no album had yet materialized. So Warner Brothers was breathing down Marty Machat's neck. So he pushed for this. Oh, okay. Um, but Phil Spector had, had made the, by then, rare journey out of his home to see Leonard Cohen play in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had been, quote, entranced by the show. So he may have earnestly wanted to work with Leonard. Yeah. Uh, for his part, Leonard had been a fan of Spector's early work and was excited enough, at least in the beginning. Joni Mitchell had been recording her album Court and Spark oh, yes. in the same studio at the same time Excellent. as Phil Spector and John Lennon were working on uh, what must have been the album Rock and Roll. Uh-huh. So she had some inkling of just how far Phil Spector had fallen. <laughs> and she warned Leonard Cohen. They were friends. Yeah. They, they chatted. So yeah, she yeah. warned Leonard Cohen not to do this. Wow. But he did not listen. So was 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 he like really down for this collaboration or he was just kind of going along with it? Like, yeah, I think he wanted to see what would happen. He said that he respected Phil Spector's music so much. He would be happy to be the Bernie Topin to his Elton John. Okay, Bernie Topin is Elton John's lyrics writer. Yes, I actually did know that. Um, (laughs) Although, of course, Leonard Cohen is singing in this one. But, Uh you know. With Phil Spector, it's not always the singer that's driving the music. No. And that tension may come up. Anyway, (laughs) Phil Spector invites Leonard and Suzanne to dinner at his house. His house is monitored by armed guards, and it's kept ice cold and dimmer than dim. The only bright things are an aquarium and a jukebox. Wow. So picture yourself there, and then you have dinner. All the other guests have left. When Leonard and Suzanne make do the same, Spectre, Steph, lock the doors. And Leonard figures if he's stuck here, he might as well try writing a song with the guy. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's what they do. And I guess it goes well enough. They're let out in the morning. and But Leonard keeps coming back. Uh-huh. Uh, and they write a lot of songs together. Okay. Um, he shows up at Phil Spectre's door in a suit and a briefcase like he's going to his office job yeah also he has an overcoat despite this being los angeles right. he usually has to wear it all day because of how cold phil specter's house is yeah like i said literal madman yeah <laughs> that's scary yeah but like i say they wrote several songs together and this part of the relationship seemed pretty stress-free <laughs> even pleasant okay the recording process was the total opposite. Oh, dear. Uh, Leonard shows up to a room crammed with 40 musicians. There's barely room to stand. Oh, my God. Out of nowhere, he's told he's going to be singing like half the songs as a duet. Uh, that's with uh, Ronnie Blakely, who was recently a star of Robert Altman's Nashville. Oh. In 1975. Oh. Anyway, this is obviously completely the opposite of Leonard's normal studio experience. Yes. And you can imagine he's not feeling totally in his element. Yeah. Not totally comfortable. Probably doesn't help that Phil Spector is commanding the musicians from behind the glass, like some kind of demented general. He was never without a bottle of Manischewitz and a gun. And he would make the musicians play over and over, sometimes like a bar at a time. 
until super late at night. Uh, Leonard had to sit there waiting until finally at like 11 midnight, 3 a.m. Sometimes he'd finally be told, okay, it's time for you to sing. Jesus. Just, uh, yeah, nightmare situation. Oh, God. So Leonard gets to feeling like everything's getting pretty out of control here. Yeah. Uh, and then one day Phil comes from behind the glass with an empty bottle of Manischewitz and he puts an arm around Leonard and holds his gun to Leonard's head and he says, I love you, Leonard. And Leonard Cohen says, I hope you do, Phil. Oh, I feel like I've heard this somewhere. Uh, from my meme page, probably. Yes, I okay. I the story yeah. on there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, later he pulls a gun also on a fiddle player who he thought was being disrespectful to him. From this album? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Literal madman. Yeah, terrible. And like I said, he had armed guards and he took the tapes home with him every night and locked them in his house. And one day he just decides they're done. <laughs> They've been through like a few different studios at this point. They've gone through all the songs. Yeah. And Phil Spector has decided that they are done. Cool. And he takes the tapes home and mixes the album by himself at home using, of course, Leonard's vocals from these like post-midnight end of the day nerve strung out sessions jesus uh leonard had thought these were just guide vocals you know for the musicians to work with and then oh. he'd get to redo them later you things are making sense now huh i mean now that i think about it yeah yeah so he figured the only way to have any further influence on the album uh was to get his own gang of toughs and have a shootout on sunset boulevard so he didn't want to do that <laughs> so he just sort of let it go Wow. And well, isn't that something? He said of the mix, in the final moment, Phil couldn't resist annihilating me. I don't think he can tolerate any other shadow in his darkness. Oh, wow. <laughs> My God. And with that, <laughs> let's Death of a Ladies Man. Yeah, whip out that album cover, why don't you? We'll start with that. Yeah, so this is uh, our first, um, I think they're called Gatefold Records. Oh, yeah. Of Leonard Cohen's career. Oh, great. It's the kind that folds out and you get the 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 inner side. Yes. Which also means that you can uh, look at the front and back cover simultaneously. Oh, okay. Which has a sort of weird like looping of the photo. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is basically just a photograph with text. Yeah. Uh, the photograph is of Leonard Cohen sitting in a restaurant, a Polynesian restaurant. The album credits make clear. Yeah, um, that's Suzanne, his almost wife on his or on his left. Yeah. On the right of the photo. Right. And another young woman on the other side mm -hmm. who looks a little terrified to be there. Maybe Leonard and Suzanne look pretty uh, glassy eyed. Yes, they do. Yeah. she And, and the other the other uh, woman looks a little uh, bit of a deer in the headlights quality. Yeah. She's got a really nice dress, though. Yeah, she does. And the. Text is in some kind of thin, pointless typewriter font <laughs> with uh, even more pointless. I don't know if you call that a drop shadow. It's just like a, a duplication of the text in, right. a, in a color. Yeah. Slightly offset. And at the bottom, it very prominently says songs by Spectre and Cohen produced mm. by Phil Spectre. Well, then. So... This is sure a Phil Spector record. Yeah, this this album, uh, the cover of it has a very quintessentially 70s feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, looks very 
I it was. This was seventy-seven. Yeah, but there's something about the like cold, tealy blue of the uh, offset letters mm-hmm. mixed with the black and white photo it just makes this so. It's not a place I want to be right. at all. I, I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to enter into this world. No, definitely, definitely not. This just, uh, yeah, this just looks like an album you would find like in. It's a very like dad's record collection looking album. Yeah, I think it looks like a lobotomy kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, but they've got a drink and a coconut on their table. Good for them. So that they must be having a good time. Yeah. You don't have a drink and a coconut if you're having a bad time. Definitely not. On the inside, we've mostly just got the lyrics, um, but we've got pictures of the creators. Leonard Cohen is just a copy of the picture on the front. And then there's a picture of Phil Spector. Um, (laughs) Dark glasses, terrible hair, cigarette, goatee. Yeah. Just everything you'd want. Great. Well, with that lovely yeah, let, invitation, let's we're yeah, we're in. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's start off with a first song, True Love Leaves No Traces. So, yeah. I I just have to say uh the first time I listened to this, oh, and this uh I think I mentioned this last week, but this is in fact the first album of Leonard Cohen's where I hadn't heard a single thing. Yeah, I which, should have asked you to record your face. Oh my when you god! First, put this on. Well, I'm going to try and explain what happened because, <laughs> like, I was walking, and within the first two seconds of the song, I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is what we're doing." Okay, and um, I mean, thank God, like, I have the time to listen through this album a couple times. Well, I mean, this is we'll get more into it, but like, I thought, oh, like maybe I'm having like this feeling because like this is so not the sound I expect from him. And like, I will say this album did grow on me a bit. I am getting a little ahead of myself, though. So let's. But the point is, I was very surprised when when this song uh, kicked off. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this album for the first time, this is basically the sound you're getting throughout the whole album with pretty little deviation. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I don't think this record shows its best qualities up front. I think this might even be the worst song they could have picked as track one. Mm. Um, it sounds confusing and jarring. Yeah. Even more than the other ones, I think, or at least than some of them. And it sounds simultaneously overstuffed and thin. Ooh. Okay. And, uh, Leonard himself actually said this of the album. It has no doors. And I think that's, with some exceptions, I think that is honestly the best criticism of the album you can make. The, just the music never lets you in. Yeah. Which is a problem when well, you have a singer and a songwriter like Leonard Cohen who has lyrics that are, you know often obscure yeah and their meanings have to be carefully conveyed through the performance yeah and they need space to seep in to the listener's brain yeah but instead we get uh 
we get this <laughs> well what what really struck me at first was song other than the initial shock of like oh my god i can't believe there's a leonard cohen cohen album that sounds like this was the vocals coming in and when when you said the thing about how he thought he was recording the guiding tracks for me that especially comes through on this one because i remember the yeah. first thing i thought of it's like the vocals in this are awful. They're terrible. Like the because what you have is you have Leonard Cohen, whose voice is kind of like buried in the mix, yeah. and then you have the a woman singing with him in unison, and their voices just like don't match. They don't line up. It they just clash in a way that just sounds really bad. And you know, as as you said, like his 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 words are so important, and you convey those words with with the with your voice and if that is not coming through in a way that works then it's just it just falls apart you're just left with the music and the music's you know it's like fine i guess this is i mean this one is probably my least favorite like even just in terms of the the musical arrangement like yeah. if you just listen to all of them without vocals i think this would be my least favorite mm. but yeah the his singing is so flat yeah and toneless yeah and i mean you can absolutely picture that he's just like two in the morning <laughs> he's just been sitting around waiting all day he's yeah. probably been drinking he's stressed yeah and it comes through yeah my my plus of this song is i mean there's also a plus throughout the album there is some good horn and um wind instrument action and then this one, it has a little like doodle-doos, and I like those. But that's really as far as I can go <laughs> with my enjoyment of, of this song. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what about lyrics, Ned? Well, I was going to say that's kind of the other problem of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, on some of these tracks, you can sort of imagine like a different version of them, and you can like, get something from the lyrics uh-huh. by reading them on the page. Yeah. Uh, but this, and this is another reason I think this is not a good opener for the album. Uh-huh. And I mean, I would have just cut it from the album personally, but oh, okay. Uh, they only have eight tracks, so maybe they didn't feel that was an option. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics just uh, don't do it for me on this one. There's a couple of good yeah. lines, but the biggest problem, true love leaves no traces is the title and the first line of the chorus. Yes. And that is just patently false well i i was gonna bring like i i wasn't gonna say it's false but i was gonna come here and just say like what is what is meant by that like yeah. what what could he have been trying to convey with that because i don't really yeah exactly and like and when i say it's false i mean like we know true love is such a huge experience in people's life yeah it's gonna leave marks on you forever it's yeah gonna change who you are as a person for sure so if you're writing a song called true love leaves no traces you're gonna have to uh justify that mm-hmm. and so this is the problem of the lyrics not having any space to convey any subtleties any nuances uh-huh we don't get that at all but even just reading them on the page i have no idea yeah i, I can't begin to it's yeah True love leaves no traces. If you and I are one, it's lost in our embraces like stars against the sun. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> it says, so your head upon my breast later, which just reminds me of a line in a Leonard Cohen poem that's way better. Oh, yeah. And something like uh, your head in my shoulder like a rifle. Oh. And just that little simile makes so much difference. Uh-huh. Just like you can feel it and see it. Yeah. Instead of this is just uh, empty. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I like uh, the idea of children moving like arrows with no targets. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's good. That's how children move. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, that's cool. Let's, let's move. Let's move on. on. <laughs> yep. Next song is called Iodine. Yeah. And it says that the word iodine a lot. That's true. It also right off the top hits you in the face with a truly irritating echo on an already harsh snare sound. Oh, yes. Yes, it, it does. goes all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of a shame because actually the chords, like the chord progressions and like the bass, that's all pretty nice in yeah. this song. I just wish it didn't have that snare. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I like this one. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it's a lot better than True Love. It, it is. The, no yeah, traces. this one's definitely better than True Love, for sure. It sort of reminds me of like a a more straight ahead version of some of the songs on New Skin. Uh, mm. Especially in the, like, you let me love you till I was a failure part. Right. Just the way he sings that. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little impression for you that you're not as into it. But I, I am into like the the use of iodine as a metaphor. Okay. Yeah, we disagree on this. Okay, one. cool. Um, well, t- t- talk to me. Talk to me, Ned. <laughs> what do you think? Um, to me, it's not a word with very many resonances. Mm-hmm. It's not very evocative. I get the idea that, you know, iodine is something that stings, but is good for you. Yeah. And that can sometimes be true of the people in your life. Yeah. But that's, that's about the end of it. In my opinion. Yeah. I guess you're right. It cleans, it heals, it stings. Yeah. And I guess it smells too. I've, no, I've never actually used iodine. It's not, so a, <laughs> uh, it's not a pretty word. It doesn't sound very good. Yeah. I don't think. It's uh, kind of clinical. Yeah. But that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is pretty. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you put it well when you, I don't really remember what you said. And yeah, I'm saying you put it well, so I don't, <laughs> but you, you <laughs> said. I mean, I must have put it well. That like, that basically you can get like this, that, and this idea from it. And that's kind of it. Like, it's a very like finite sort of image. But yeah. I guess for me, like, I think that's fine. But I guess looking at it in the context of like Leonard Cohen's work that it, that it does fall short, but I also, I guess I'm not that bothered by it. I mean, I wouldn't be bothered by it in a better song. Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if the other parts of the song had more to offer me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, you know, we don't need to be, or I don't need to be so harsh on this. I like the second verse. I asked you if a man could be forgiven. And though I failed at love, was this a crime? You said, don't worry, darling. There are many ways a man can serve his time. That's pretty good. That's like pretty classic Leonard Cohen kind of stuff. Well, it, it is classic Leonard Cohen in a way that uh, this only just occurred to me now, but th- I feel like that actually mirrors a lyric that's in a previous song, maybe from something from New Skin. Like specifically, there are many ways a man can serve his time. Hmm. What was that? Oh, a it singer w- must die. Maybe. But it's not about it's not about like prison serving time. It's like serving um like the army. Right. Do you remember what I'm talking about? No, I can't. Ah, shit. You. Well, anyway, uh, but yeah, no, that is good. That is definitely a the verse that stood out to me as well. Also, sidebar because I I I found there was a point when I was listening to it's the next this song and then the next two songs in particular, and there's like a reverb that's put on his voice, mm. and I thought what is this reminding me of this? This sounds like someone does it, does it, do you have 
Do you ever listen to it and think, oh, this sounds like blank? No. To me, this gives me like Kevin Morby. And I listened, uh, I listened to a couple songs by Kevin Morby. I'm like, wow. True. I mean, he definitely has a higher voice than Leonard Cohen, but like, it's kind of similar. It's weird. And he actually sings well on his records. Well, there you go. on this particular record. I think I put on Singing Saw and that was the one that I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And it wasn't so much this song. It was Paper Thin Hotel that it really, yeah, I see what you that mean. that really comes through. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There's a funny moment just before the third verse where there's a drum fill, but they don't temper the echo effect whatsoever. Oh, is that right? Uh, and it just sounds like someone dropped a drum kit down the stairs. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't clock that. I, I put a little, I got a little clip. Oh, great. For us here. <laughs> that's re- that's really funny it's a nightmare um <laughs> and then the lyrics say that this song ends with several lines that all end with the word iodine but i've never been able to pay enough attention to make it that far to determine if this is true at this point in the song it just sounds to me like leonard and ronnie blakely and the saxophone player they've all also just fallen down the stairs behind the drum kit that's right <laughs> that's really um, funny yeah yeah, I I think this album has a just a really rough start. And I, I actually like some stuff that's coming. Okay. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not like the way it opens. Yeah, fair. Shall we continue? Yeah, for sure. To uh, the Modest Mouse cover, Paper Thin Hotel. Yes, this hotel's <laughs> paper thin and everyone hears every little sound. <laughs> so yeah, either we're improving slightly as we go forward. Yep. Or you just have to get used to the absolute batshit craziness of this album every time you listen to it. Uh-huh. And it starts clicking for you by this one. Because this, this is not my favorite by any means, but it's uh, we're getting a little better here. Yes. Well, sort of. I, I th- like this, this one musically kind of loses my interest, but I like the lyrics of this one. I like the little guitar bit that they have. Okay. I don't know. I can't, I can't picture it off the top of my head, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, lyrically is the main thing of this one. I like this, um, sort of like quasi Zen aspect that he brings to this by now standard theme of being cucked. Right. Um, well, heavy burden lifted from my soul. Yeah. That love was out of my control. I stood there with my ear against the wall. I was not seized by jealousy at all. Yeah. Our guys growing up. Well, that's that's interesting you say that because definitely with the chorus, that is the impression. But I do wonder if there's um, if he wants to play a little with, I don't know, if like the narrator necessarily believes what he's saying. Mm. I think namely, I think that with I stood there with the ear with my ear against the wall, I was not seized by jealousy at all. And it's like. You're there with the you're there with your ear against the wall. (laughs) That's a good point. And so, like, I find that interesting just on that basis. It makes me wonder, like, how much of it is actually like he's above it all and how much. And like, maybe it's just about like there's a sort of process or like a sort of like contradicting like thoughts and feelings about it that aren't like mutually exclusive. They can both be true. Yeah, I think that's uh, a really good point. Mm, Cool. (laughs) Well, and it's like that's sort of the problem here, though, is because like. To do that kind of thing in a song requires subtlety and nuance, like we've been saying. Absolutely. And this song is a little 
a little more spacious than well, the last two, but it's not yeah. like uh, we're going to come later to a, a slow song that actually is spacious, but this one is slow, but still pretty uh, hectic. Yeah, it pulls back a little. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think reading this on the page or on the screen as we are, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is like a really interesting aspect of it. Or it's almost like he's trying to convince himself Yes. That he feels the way he does in the chorus. Yeah. My favorite line in here is, I felt so good, I couldn't feel a thing, which is just a nice little one-liner. Yeah. Um, And sort of ties in to this, like, zen yeah. mood that I'm picking up on. But it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. At all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, like, it's, and it makes it sound like maybe the narrator's not feeling jealousy just because they're having such a hard time they're so depressed that they've gone past feeling anything. yeah so yeah there's a lot of conflict yeah within the lyrics themselves which is really cool yeah it's nice we've got some interesting lyrics in this one but uh yeah that's kind of all i got for this one i was i was uh thankful for the the words in this one because i'm like okay we are there is still some <laughs> some taste of yeah that good old leonard cohen the, the title is sort of interesting um because it's paper thin hotel. Yes. Which doesn't mean that the walls are thin. It means that the building is yeah. paper thin. Yeah. Which is odd. Yes. Um, it might mean that like the stuff that's going on here in the hotel isn't actually important unless mm. you're inside it, which is like a further criticism on what's happening here. Yeah. Also, like it's a situation where they're like in a hotel, but they're in the rooms next to each other. Yeah. I have no idea <laughs> who these people yeah. are. Like what's I the, was... it's yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel very uh, realistic. No. In that sense. Unless like he specifically like sought out True. being in the room next to him, whether it was uh, a, a test of his strength or, or uh, a sort of masochistic itch. Or, they're all friends and they all know each other mm, and they're on yeah. a trip together. Oh yeah. But then it just seems rude. <laughs> <laughs> what to fuck loudly in the next room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you have anything more on paper thin hotel, I'm good. We'll move on to memories. Yes. And, uh, for me, we're kicking things off here. Uh-huh. This, in my opinion, is by far the most successful song on this record. This one, yeah, you know, this one really grew on me. And again, as a lot of Leonard Cohen songs do, it was sitting down with the lyrics. And like the lyrics, I mean, this song's weird. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> and like un uncomfy. Yeah, I have a little, um, there's like a introduction he gave in like a live performance cool. that uh talks a bit but i would be curious if you if you have like a, a theory of these lyrics i'd be curious to hear what you have to say before i tell you that okay well i mean what what's struck to me at first i was like okay so we got a narrator who's just kind of smarmy sleazy but then that went deeper when i really sat down with him like okay so he's like, are we, t are we, we're talking like Nazis here, are we? Because mm -hmm. you got, I mean, you got the Iron Cross, you've got seeking out the tallest and blondest girl. And so it's just this weird kind of like, it's this weird kind of like 
power dynamics, sexual power play between these two um, Aryans. And uh, but the the music is really um, like it's it's very like doo-wop inspired and it's very like rapturous. And so that contrast makes it feel so odd. And also, obviously, the context of Leonard Cohen being a Jewish man singing this song that feels so like big and like ecstatic in a way. And that's all I got. Yeah. Um, they're also in a gym. Right. Which is strange or was strange. I was having lots of these similar kind of thoughts to you until I learned. Oh. He said that this is based on my extremely boring and pathetic life at Westmount High School in Montreal. What? They're in a gym. They're dancing in a gym. Yeah. They're listening to Stardust. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can't, I, that, I, you know, we're going to have to figure out how the Nazi imagery f- fits in there. Absolutely. But it does bring a, a very interesting new dimension to the like 50s doo-wop style. Uh-huh. Um, and it's called Memories. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, I think that's really neat. Uh, Phil Spector's a little younger than Leonard Cohen, but I think they both okay. had similar memories of 50s dances. And uh, it's neat to to get this little glimpse into Leonard as a, a high school boy trying to trying to get some. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I guess I wasn't so thrown by the gym thing because I sort of figured that for, you know, dances or events, I guess maybe that's just more of a contemporary thing in my own like association. But like sometimes there are like auditoriums, you know, there are gyms like in schools or in churches that have stages. Yeah. And so I guess that was sort of what I thought. It's like, okay, they're in a space that just like also. It's true. Adults can dance in gyms as well. Yeah. But okay. So yeah, let's, let's dig into that because why, why then? Well, yeah. So Leonard Cohen (laughs) has the thing about Nazis. Um, (laughs) Right. We've talked about on his tours, uh, he liked to antagonize people like when he was in Germany and he would uh, start doing some Nazi speeches. Yeah. But he also would like make little jokes about, cause you know, he had a big crush on Nico Yeah, and Marianne was uh, a blonde Norwegian woman. Yeah. And he would always make little comments about uh, just how he was like uh, with these uh, Aryan or Nazi woman. Mm. Um, I think he was maybe like sort of strangely like proud of it. But then also huh. like a little like self-critical about it. Yeah. Just a very strange personal mix of feelings For sure. about it. Uh, which I guess go back to high school, which would make sense. He was born in 1934. Uh-huh. Uh, grew up in World War II. Yes. Um, he has talked a little bit about that time. So yeah, 1934, we're talking like... 1950 to 1952 is when he's going to dances. Yeah. Pretty straight laced sort of time. Yes. He said, quote, you could eventually hold a girl's hand. Sometimes <laughs> she would let you kiss her. Anything more was forbidden. Um, right. And I think that the second verse really confused me. Yes. Until I thought of it through that lens. Because it seems to be the woman who the song is being addressed to. Uh talking back to the narrator 
says, just dance me to the dark side of the gym. Chances are I will let you do most anything. I know you're hungry. I can hear it in your voice. And there are many parts of me to touch. You have your choice. But no, you cannot see my naked body. Yeah. And that sounded very strange and just a strange turn. But then I thought maybe it's like, this is like a teen girl in the early 1950s. Uh Who's sort of like acting the part of... Like a femme fatale, like sexy woman. Okay. Yes. She's like, I'll let you do most anything. There are many parts of me to touch. You have your choice. But in reality, she's a girl from Westmount in Montreal in 1950. Uh-huh. There's no chance of anything more happening outside yeah. of this gym. So no, you cannot see my naked body. Uh, I don't know if that's what Leonard Cohen intended, but that's sort of how I read that verse now, because I don't know how else to make sense of yeah, that I'm strange turn. I'm right there with you. It's an unusual contradictory verse. I mean, I presumably it was in, it was intentionally contradictory. Yeah. But yeah, is a question of why and I think your your uh, reasoning is as good as any. Well, maybe not any. But <laughs> that that, I, all, that is to say yours is good reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. But musically though, this track stands out above at least the ones we've heard so far to me because it's the first time where I think that this Phil Spector maximalism has a purpose. I agree. Uh, it really reflects to me that like overwhelming feeling of, well, when you're a teen and you want to like get some, yeah, and you're like getting close to someone that you have a crush on, but not even just as a teenager, that's a feeling that can like overpower people Yeah, throughout all of life. Um, but it just adds that extra layer that it's about teenage memories and so yeah the music just uh really gets that across there's like the arrangement's really brash yeah there's like a lusty saxophone going on oh yes and the vocals finally yeah yeah this must have been an earlier yeah (laughs) yeah or he just really felt this song because the other ones he's just singing in this kind of like flat i don't know how to describe it's like a completely without style He's just, uh, he's almost just talking. Yeah. But not in like a cool way. No. Um, But in this one, he's really going for it. Mm -hmm. And there's grit in his voice. And he's obviously just like present in the song. Yes. And he's going for it hard. And I love it. It sounds, I think it sounds great. Yeah. At the end of each um, verse, I guess it is, there's this really like great steady crescendo and it always hits with like the, the big note and then him coming in with some variation, of either my naked body, her naked body. And that in combination where the way he hits the, those words specifically, I always does it for me. I'm always very excited for that. Oh yeah. For those moments in the song. Well, and the, the pause before it comes back in just yes. goes on for, or like the builds sort of a build slash pause. Yeah. It just keeps going. So for so long. Yeah. Every time I'm basically, I'm just like surprised. <laughs> it's just like, here's another horn note. Yeah. And here's another. And then it stops. But then like, there's going to be a drum fill before we even come back in. Uh-huh. And it's just, uh, it's wild. Uh, yeah. No, this is a, it, it's a good one. Yeah. I, uh, last week we praised Leonard Cohen for using his scream really judiciously and only busting it out like when he needed it yeah. and when it could like really elevate the song. Yeah. However, I think uh, he might have had a better time on this album if he'd let it loose more often. Sure. Because he's really, he's, the simple fact is he's just really struggling to 
be heard over these arrangements Ab- and just to like well, yeah. pierce through because of course he is yeah because he's leonard cohen and he doesn't sing these kind of songs yeah exactly um but you know i'm saying that but i'm kind of joking because i don't think paper thin hotel would actually be better if he was just like screaming everywhere for sure yeah the only other thing i have on this song i think you mentioned the the end of each verse has this variation uh your naked body my naked body it mm. almost kind of reminds me of suzanne we get three verses oh. and we have this little uh shift of pronoun in them oh yeah that's um, so true i don't know if i can take that analogy any further than that no but, but that's yeah i mean it's always that's a thing i've said about Larry cohen a couple of times there always seems to be like these sort of connecting threads to random points in his previous yeah. uh uh, albums um so yeah if yeah. anything else it's just that's a neat observation and i didn't clock that well that's the beauty of uh going through someone's career the way we're doing yeah we're just uh we're gonna pick up on these little things and yeah may not mean much always but no it's yeah it's nice this yeah. is the 1970s version of suzanne it's, <laughs> it's official folks yeah oh yeah just one more thing that saxophone uh-huh. solo hell yeah oh yes yeah absolutely I don't know much about saxophone, so I can't really say if this is like exceptional playing or if it's uh, just kind of normal standard technique. But there's a bit towards the end of the solo, it like dips low Mm -hmm. and it's got this super like earthy, almost like phlegmy sound. Yeah. And it just sounds awesome. I have a little clip of this too. Okay, cool. Absolutely. It's just it, incredible. It, yeah, it's like that sort of equivalent of the occasional when when someone does when someone's in the middle of regular singing, they just like put in that one like little growl or like gravel mm. into their voice and then just go right back into that smooth yeah. uh vocal style. Yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. Today is my turn to relate things to sitcoms because Oh great. There's a 30 Rock episode where yeah. uh Liz Lemon is worried that her job is uh just old news and nobody wants a sketch TV writer anymore. Uh huh. And some figures come out of the darkness to ask her to join the, the tribe of forgotten redundant people. <laughs> and one of them is a guy who just steps up and he's like, I used to play dynamite solos and rock and roll songs. <laughs> and then he just like wails on his sax a little bit. That's great. Yeah. Maybe we need some more dynamite solos and rock and roll songs these days. For sure. If memories is anything to go by. Yeah. But, that does it for side one. All right, then. Of this wild, wild album. Yeah. But things are on the things are on the up and up. Yeah, sure. We went from true love leaves no traces all the way to memories. Yeah. So we've come about as far as you can go. Yeah. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. And we'll see how that plays out on side B. Yes, we will. In the next episode. We'll all see you then. All right, then. See you then. Bye bye. Bye. Do I have to dance all night? Do I have to dance all night? Who tell me bird of paradise? Good night, friends. Thank you very much.